Coming to you from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, by way of Stone Mountain, Georgia, birthed by the great state of South Carolina, is the Bryant Land Country Podcast, your place for any and everything in hunting, fishing, sports, and outdoor related, with heavy doses of randomness, guests, and an all-around good time. Here's your host, proud Gamecock, South Carolina Forever, AB3. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode heart pounding episode of the Bryant Land Country podcast don't know why I said heart pounding but you guys get the picture a great episode of the Bryant Land Country podcast the BLCP I am sitting here on my couch in Stone Mountain and even though by the time you guys get this intro to this episode and this podcast Time will have passed, but I'm still basking in the glory of the victory of my beloved South Carolina Gamecocks over the hated Georgia Bulldogs. And, you know, the team, obviously, they moved on. They're playing the rest of their games for the year. And, of course, we're, you know, I'm going to always cheer them on and hope that they do well, but... That victory on a fateful Saturday, October 12th, you know, Will Muschamp took a group of players from Columbia, South Carolina, and went all the way up Highway 316 to Athens, Georgia, and proceeded to lay the smackdown on those nasty puppies up in Athens. And I got to tell you, anybody that knows me knows when I, I live here, in Georgia, obviously being a Carolina graduate, alumni, diehard Carolina football fan, you know, obviously the Clemson game is the game that's very important. That's the big rivalry game. But living here in Georgia and listening to the entitlement of these Georgia fans and Herschel Walker and Vince Dooley, DJ Shockey, Quincy Carter, like listen to go on and on and on about the glory years, the past of Georgia football, and listen to how great, you know, University of Georgia football program is supposed to be the best thing since sliced bread. And every year they lay an egg. They lose a game that they're not supposed to. They don't show up in the championship. You know, just things of that nature. But those fans, they come right back, and they're just nonstop. They're like mosquitoes. So anytime we get a chance to take a dig at the University of Georgia. Like I said, the team's moved on, but, you know, myself as a diehard fan and the rest of us fans of the program, fans of the football team, we can bask in this victory for another 360-some-odd days. So that's what we're going to do. And I don't want to hear, you know, all the Georgia excuses about the quarterback and, Jake from State From and Jake From the quarterback and all that. I don't want to hear about, you know, they shouldn't have lost and field goals and coaching and all that other stuff. Just accept the fact that you got beat and move on. We're going to bask in it. We get to talk trash, like I said, especially living here in the state of Georgia. There are a couple of people that are on my list that I'm going to make sure every chance I get, I got something Carolina on, whether it's a hat or a shirt or whatever. I'm going to let them know. It's like, hey, put this in your mouth because you have to deal with the fact that Carolina came in here. This wasn't one of these Williams-Brice deals. This wasn't one of these deals where we won at home. We came into your house and took it from you. So shout out to the South Carolina football team. Congratulations to them boys. Like I said, I know they've moved on. I know they got the rest of the season ahead of them. But as a fan and for the rest of us fans, we're going to savor this one for the next 360-some-odd days. Brightland. Now, we got a great guest this week. Aaron Johnson, the chef, has joined me on the podcast this week and I was thumbing through Instagram looking at some uh, pictures of food, culinary presentation, you know, how they present the food and they put it on, you know, on the plate and, you know, have a nice dressing and garnish and stuff like that. And I was 
thumbing through some of his pictures and mixed with those pictures were also hunting pictures. So I said, you know, I wanted to find out a little bit more about this guy, find out, you know, what his uh, background was, uh, his culinary skills. So we had a great conversation, talked a little bit about hunting, talked a little bit about, you know, cooking, preserving food, just how to do different things with your with your food to make it taste better, especially uh, your wild game and your wild game recipes. So I, I really enjoyed talking to Aaron. We had a great time. Like I said, we went about 50, 55 minutes or so. But uh, either way, great conversation. I'm glad to bring it to you guys. So we're going to roll sound, and I'm going to fall back, and you guys are going to listen to the chef. Aaron Johnson on the BLCP, Bryant Land Country Podcast. Bryant Land. All right, finally, after getting through some uh, technical difficulties, a few uh, trials and tribulations, if you will, I have the chef on the line finally. Aaron Johnson, how are you, bub? I'm doing good, man. Good. Thanks for having me on. Nah, no problem. Glad we could finally connect. So before we get, you know, into it and I start asking questions about your background and all that stuff, I'm going to put you on the spot right here. First question, right out the shoot. What's your best dish? Uh, best dish is Asabuco. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> okay. What tell me and the people, well maybe the people know, but I damn sure don't. Tell me what is Asabuco and what all goes into that. All right, so Asabuco is an Italian dish. Um I wanna say it means meat and bone. So basically like it's uh you take a pork shank or any animal shank and uh you braise it. And then uh it's almost like uh is there a version of like a stew? And then I, I pair it with polenta and um, roasted veg. So that's like my favorite dish to do with venison and any other wild game I got. Okay, okay. Now, the, you said, what was the what was the size that you like to put with it? Uh, roasted veg, uh, like carrots, potatoes, Brussels sprouts, anything of that nature, mushrooms, and then uh, polenta. Polenta. Which is basically... Yeah, polenta is like a fine grit. Okay, okay, that or was some people sub some people sub it with cornmeal. Okay, that was what I I wasn't quite sure about the the polenta, and I was going to say something else, and I knew in my head that that was wrong, so that's why I was like, let me get you to repeat that again because I was getting ready to mess that up royally. Okay, so um, no, all right, so that that that's great, and then. With that dish, is that something that you're preparing at home a lot, or is that like a contest professional dish? Like, what is what is? Uh, both. Okay. Both. I was a uh, chef up at uh, Hollywood Casino in Columbus, and uh, Columbus, Ohio. Cool yeah, Columbus, Ohio. Yeah, not Columbus, Georgia. Uh, and um, that was a good seller. So nice. It was pretty good. Okay. Okay, you came out. You 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 fired out quick with that. So, Columbus, Ohio. That's where you born and raised. Or is that just where you living, working now? Or that's where I was working. I, I I'm I'm originally out of uh, Cincinnati, but I was born in Paris, Kentucky. Okay, so. across the river. Got you. Yeah. yeah. Got you. And then you went to went to culinary. You were telling me you went to culinary school in Columbus. Yeah. Okay. Okay, went to culinary school for a little bit. What what made you do that? I mean, like, where does your cooking influence come from? Is that like a family thing, or is that just something that you were drawn to as a child? Like, where did that come from? Uh, so I'm so really, it's funny. It's a it's a mixture of things. Uh, my grandpa, I used to grow up seeing my grandpa watching uh, hunting shows. He was real into bird hunting. And then later on in life, I'm going to say I was, like, super young. You know, you have, like, those those memories, like, when you're, like, super, super young. Probably was, like, three or four. Right. You just have, like, these things, like, man, I remember seeing this from somewhere. And um, my grandpa used to be really, really in uh, bird hunting, but never hunted himself. He was never a hunter himself. <laughs> oh, wow. 
So y'all would just sit yeah. around and watch like all like the bird hunting shows and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So then, once then we moved to Northern Kentucky, and my mom was going was coming up in the field. So as a young cook, you're not making very much money. So she was a single black mother, and so a lot of the times, like she was just it was practice, practice, practice. And then I would find myself watching like the fishing shows and the hunting shows. It's like, man, that's like that looks interesting. Used to intrigue me because I love nature. I love animals, and it's like, uh, I mean, what uh, what TV show is that? I want to say I was watching uh, Bill Dance. Oh yeah, he the fishing like, guy from Tennessee, right? Bill. Yeah, uh huh. He had a uh, guest on, and I don't know how he segued it into like uh, hunting and then venison and whatnot, but um, he did. I was like, man, that looks really good. Mm-hmm. So I asked my mom, it's like, what is, what's deer meat? How much is deer meat? She told me that deer meat was super expensive. They had it in a restaurant and that we probably wouldn't be getting any, getting any anytime soon. So it was more, it was more, I was hungry and interested in, uh, what they tasted like. <laughs> but, uh, later on, she became executive chef for that same place that she was working at as a cook. And, they just opened up the it just opened up the doors uh, for that, but uh, and it made me want to pursue that because I'd only ever done football, security, and cooking. So, what was the first thing you said? Security. What was the first thing? Huh, football. Oh, okay. Did you you play like in college or professional? Yeah, I or? did. I played. Uh, I played arena. I played in college, and a brief stint in uh, Canada. And then in Poland. Oh wow, Poland! What what what's yeah. we're gonna get off here for a little bit? What what's football like in Poland? Uh, take like a soccer atmosphere, <laughs> like a Colosseum, and it's like it's like that. So the the play, uh, I'm say the playing. If you get to rate it, it's probably like uh upper. You'll find some teams that are like upper D two college level. Okay. And then the majority was kind of like D three, but um, they put. I mean, it was pretty competitive. Wow. Or less. Technically, they're all technically sound. Over there, it was like we were more athletic. The Americans that came over were more athletic, but they definitely had the technique down for sure. Their technique is pretty impeccable. Now, were you guys bigger than the uh, the homegrown Polish guys? Because usually, you know, like weightlifting and you know yeah, Olympic events like that, they're usually pretty pretty solid. Yeah, they're definitely pretty solid. Uh, you ran into some big boys, but they they weren't the most athletic. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, what position did you play? I was a nose guard. Okay. Oh, you was on the line. Okay. Okay. Now, how so? How did that come about? Because I, like I said again, I've worked in sports, sports media, majority of my professional mm-hmm. life. I've never heard of you know like Poland being a place you yeah. know where guys go. Obviously, I'm familiar with Canada, you know, arena mm-hmm. league stuff like that. But so, how how did the whole Poland thing come about? Like, how did you find out about that? Like, how did you end up over there? So I was uh, in Edmonton, and I had an ankle injury. And um, Edmonton, in, in, Edmonton in the uh, in the CFL, right? The Eskimos. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm, yeah. Okay. And I basically was going to get cut, and um, a buddy of mine had came, and he was like, uh, "They have other leagues and other opportunities for you. He's like, you should post your film on uh, oh Lord, what is the site? Basically, it was a website for uh, players wanting to go to Europe." Uh, and extend their careers or uh, develop their talent and whatnot and still get paid for it and then do some traveling with it. Uh, I want to say it's your, uh, my Euro player. Okay. Yeah, Euro player. Okay. I want to say europlayer.com is what it was, I do believe. Okay. Okay. And <laughs> over there. And they, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. It's nope. all over the world. Oh, I'm sorry. It's all over the world. Um, say if you want to go to France, I have friends that uh, they still have careers. They're playing in uh, Germany, in Klettersburg. And I got a um, buddy, uh, Ray Wagner. He played in Switzerland. Wow. Um, so 
Yeah, it's uh, myeuroplayers.com. I'm pretty sure. But that's a great, it's a great alternative for, well, I say student athletes because you can't be done. You can't be a dummy. You go over there, else, you know, you're liable to get mess yourself up. But um, for athletes that are interested in like furthering their career after college or even for like basketball players, if they're like, oh, I don't think I'm going to go to college. Right. You know, but you still want to play sports or whatnot and get paid for it. That is definitely a, a good route to go. Well, the the basketball players have been going to Europe for years and and making tons of, of money, you know, good cheese over there. Exactly. And like you say, extending their careers um, and actually, you know, then come back to the States and uh, mm-hmm. be able to do well in business or whatever mm-hmm. endeavors that they want when they come back. Now, for the football guys, I'm not asking, again, not asking for a number or whatever, but... <laughs> Pretty decent money over there. You can make good, make a decent living over there. You can, yeah, yes and no. If you, if you have to do your research. Definitely have to do your research. Um, I was fortunate enough. Um, Poland had a, a vast number of uh, sponsors, and they embraced it really well. So I made decent. I made pretty decent money to do that. But a lot of the times, you'll get suckered into something, and it'll be like. 3000 3000 a week. But they pay for all your expenses while you're there, so you have money to bring back home. Gotcha, gotcha. So then with injuries and health and all that stuff, like what what's the amenities and, like, you know, the health, like, technology and stuff? Are they treating you guys – did they treat you guys pretty good? Like, as far as – like you said, they took care of your expenses, but as far as, like, you know, facilities and, you know, like, recovery, stuff like that, all that pretty good over there? I was fortunate enough. Yeah, they, it was, the recovery was really good. The facilities were really awesome. Yeah, the, the facilities mm, – they remind you of college. So, yeah, they weren't, they weren't bad. They weren't bad at all. Okay, that because that's why I was just getting ready to ask the facilities. Would you say like one double A type facilities or D two type facilities, or did some teams have like the top level, you know, like the South Carolinas or Alabamas or some, you know, where like that type facilities? Uh, it would be no, it's nothing. It wasn't anything like Alabama facilities. <laughs> I've, I've been there. I've seen some of their facilities. <laughs> It, it was it was it was definitely solid. Um, you you couldn't just walk in there off the street. I should say. I got you. So they had some prestige to it. But like I said, the world sport is soccer. So over there, a lot of the stuff is like they were more geared towards like recovery was really good and preventative health is what they were really good at. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. That's interesting. I mean, that's. Kind of why I keep drilling you on it because that, that I mean, that's fascinating. Uh, I was completely ignorant to the fact of how, you know, football players were leaving because, you know, all we hear about is, you know, like I said, Canada, you know, maybe the arena, some yeah. semi pro options or whatever. But, you, you know, especially mm-hmm. with how, you know, things are looking with football in America with the injuries and concussions and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. yeah, you wouldn't think that, okay, you can go overseas. Extend your career. China has, China has an arena league. Oh wow! And it pays really good. Yeah. Did you go over there too, or? No, I didn't. No. Okay. I had I had my babies, and uh, <laughs> it just wasn't it wasn't on the table anymore. <laughs> oh, totally, totally understand understand that. What uh, what? How old are your kids? So I have a four month old. Congratulations. Uh, and uh, an eight-year-old. Nice. Three. All, all young, all in the range. Enjoy them in that range. The four-month-old especially, you know, once they get to the point where they can kind of talk and tell you what's going on. Um, because mm-hmm. before you know it, they'll be teenagers. I got a teenage son and fixing to have a teenage daughter. So in, enjoy okay. them at that age. <laughs> now. Yeah. Real quick to yeah. kind of tie up the whole football and thing and whatnot. You went. Where did you go to college? Where did you play your college ball at? Oh, Ohio Northern. Okay, okay, and that's D two. 
Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Nice. Nice. Wow. All right. So you defensive lineman went played football over played football overseas and then after that came back and did the culinary school and got uh got into the cooking yeah okay did and so you basically knew like going through college and once you finished with whatever your pro career was going to be that that was going to be your out your exit strategy so to speak um, kind of. <laughs> it kind of fell in my lap, and I was like, "Well, I like it." <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, living with it. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. So, where, where are you at now, as far as like with the cooking? Because um, I know you said you were working in Columbus. Are you at another restaurant here now? Are you like the head chef, or right. working your way up to be a head chef? Are you doing your own thing? Yeah. Like, what, what you got going on? So I'm a I'm a sous chef. I'm a banquet sous chef at uh, the premier destination wedding destination in Ohio, uh, Summit Hotel. Oh wow! So, okay, what city in Ohio is that in? Uh, that is in Cincinnati, Ohio. Cincinnati, oh the natty. Okay, okay. Yeah. Nice. I've been to Cincinnati a few times and did baseball down there. It, it, it's an interesting uh, yeah. city. Yeah, 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 definitely it. It's on the, it's on the rise. Right. Thank you. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So we were talking about, you know, your best dish, and you fired that off. Is your best dish your favorite dish? Like when you're not cooking for, like, a wedding or cooking for the masses, like what do you get up and say, you know what, this is what I'm going to make today? Uh, well, breakfast, for instance, for breakfast today, I had a uh, turkey sausage. Okay. Uh, it's turkey that, uh, uh, turkey that I got uh, this spring. Oh, uh, now we're getting into it. So you took you, you yeah. killed a turkey this year and you made sausage? Yeah, I made apple smoked sausage. Yeah. Oh, nice, nice. Now, did you... Did you farm that out to a butcher, or you did everything yourself? Oh uh, no, I do everything myself. Oh, okay. I have a, talk, talk. I have a nice little setup in my basement. Yeah. So. Talk me, talk me through the sausage making, because I, I I've thought about making some sausage. I I got some geese uh, from last season that I got just a little bit of it left, and I was thinking about going. And grinding it up and making a sausage. What take me through the sausage making process? What are what what do you do that makes your sausage pop? Well, for me, I like the pat. I do the patties. Okay. Is that I like pork, but I'm trying to like cut it out in certain meals and sure. whatnot, and it kind of just takes away from the, um, the turkey. You know what I mean? So I grind the tur- I grind my turkey. Do like a flip size blade. I would say twelve. For this course, I do add a little fat, and then um, I'll sauté off um, apples and um, extra my Granny Smith apples mm-hmm. and um, sweet red onion. And then I'll make up a basic sage uh, seasoning, and then I'll have some smoked salt, and then pretty much I'll add a liquid, a little about five pounds. I'll add maybe uh, two cups, three cups of water to about mm, two and a half, two and a half cups of seasoning to okay. the sausage, and then I'll add with the apple and then uh, the sauteed apple and onion, and then I'll throw it to the grinder again, and then I'll make out little patties, about about two ounce, three ounce patties, mm-hmm. and then I'll put them on wax paper, and uh, I'll store them like that. Wow, and you, so the fat obviously the fat keeps it is what's keeping it together. Mm-hmm. What uh, what kind of fat? Any particular kind of fat? Like, are you trimming the fat like off your turkey if your turkey had oh fat on it, or beef, beef fat or pork fat? This batch I did pork fat or beef fat, and it came out pretty good. Okay. A lot of people kind of like raise their eyebrows when I say it, but it really, really helps with the flavor. And then, like with pork, when you go to sear pork or like a other white meat type deal, yep, it doesn't 
it's like a light brown. When you add that beef to it, it's more of a darker sausage brown. Right, right. Especially like with that stage mix, because um, I grind all my seasonings uh, super fine. Now, what, now, did I hear you right? Did you say smoke salt? Yep, mm-hmm, smoke salt, yep. Now, is that something you can just get, like, in the store, or? Yeah, you can get that from a grocery store. Um, most butcher shops carry a line or make, or have, they may not advertise it or display it up front, but if you go to your butcher and say, hey, you guys have a smoke salt or a churning salt or something like that, they have a lot of information for you, and they'll be able to give. So I have that relationship with the butcher, and I get through purchasing the job. So wow, look at you! You yeah, you are you are really smartening me up today because I like I said these smoke salt had no idea about you know the football in Europe. You know, professionally mm-hmm. had no idea about man. You 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 smartened us up today. Well, we. You're doing great. Appreciate it. <laughs> um, now your seasonings. What kind of seasonings are you putting in your in your sausage? Is that a custom blend? Is it stuff that you're growing yourself, or what? What? What's your seasonings look like? So I wish I could grow myself, but I have um, I have squirrels and rabbits. That are like the size of little chihuahuas. Right. I had cut out, plotted out a piece of my backyard and was growing stuff just fine. I started to have my peppers started to ripen or whatever. And I went out one day and they were gone. Everything. It was just wow. bad. <laughs> and I discovered I have neighbors that have pet rabbits that they let loose occasionally. <laughs> I, I was getting ready to add, that was going to be my question. It's like, are you in like a subdivision or a rural area? Like, can you just sit out in your backyard and take your 22 and pop those squirrels, kind of do a little population control? But obviously, if you got neighbors with pet rabbits, you know, you can't really take nah. those out. But you, you can go to your neighbor and just say, hey, can you can you control your rabbit? <laughs> I want to. <laughs> I, I definitely, I definitely think it's worth the conversation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jesus, it's bad enough you got the squirrels. I got squirrels pretty bad in my backyard here, but I'm in town limits, so I just can't sit out and pluck yeah, them out of the tree. Yeah, I'm in. I'm within the city limits. Yeah. So, yeah. so that that kind of. You know, it kind of makes the whole plucking thing a little a little difficult. But, yeah, I would definitely have the conversation about the rabbit. So, all right, so you can't do your own, but what, yeah. so what are you, what are you using? Like, again, is it like a custom blend or? Yeah, like I said, I'll have a bunch of the basic, basic herbs and spices. You can get them virtually from anywhere. Right. And I've done, uh, this way, this particular way I did it, uh, it was a mixture of store-bought stuff. Uh, some of the herbs, like the sage, was fresh. Um, I put it in my dehydrator, and then I grind it up from there. It's a lot fresher that way. Because those herbs, like herbs and stuff that are already ground, that mm. you can get from the grocery store, yeah. they can sit up there for years. You know, how fresh, how fresh is your herbs? Mm. You know, if, you get, if you buy a leaf, and then you dehydrate it, or like you can do that in the oven as well. But um, I prefer the dehydrator. Mm-hmm. You grind it up yourself, you'll be very, very surprised how flavorful uh, herbs are. Mm. So buy um, either grow them or buy them fresh from like a farmer's market or whatever. Dehydrate mm-hmm. them and grind them up yourself. Yeah, you'll see an extraordinary difference. Huh? Okay. Okay. Make a note of that. Dang you! You are you dropping knowledge bombs today, Jack. Thank you. <laughs> no, I'm so I'm, I'm serious. Like I'm, I'm going to walk away from this a lot smarter than I was in the beginning, especially when it comes to you know cooking and getting this wild game together. Now, the turkey. What do you like? Take the whole turkey and you know like pluck it get the feathers off and then go from there or are you just breasting it out and then grinding up the breast meat like how are you doing that uh so 
uh, I got two last year because here in Ohio you can grow, you can harvest two. Right. So the one I left whole, uh, saving it for Thanksgiving. We do have a late season here, but um, in case that doesn't go through, we have one from spring. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, but the other one, out breast out and leg out, and the sausage comes from the leg and the thigh. Okay. You just That's take. your dark Yeah. Your breast meat. Your breast meat, it, it, it'll dry out. It's uh, it's a lot better to use the uh, the leg and uh, side. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. 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 Good to know. Now, where what? <laughs> What are you doing with those uh, with those turkey breasts? Are you making strips or like little nugget okay. strips or what? How how are you cooking that turkey breast? Uh, anyway, so I do turkey chops, which mm. is basically just like the breast with the, that cartridge end of it. Yep. You're just cutting straight down into like little steaks. It almost looks like a pork steak, but it's similar to it. But the other part of it I'm using for schnitzel. Schnitzel is uh, basically pounded out. I use seasoned egg wash and flour and then in the breadcrumb, then fried in uh, cast iron, a uh, shallow, shallow oil. Okay. And it comes out amazing. It's super good. Now, the, the egg wash, is that just basically what, egg yolk or what? Um, so it's the whole egg and a little water, but paprika salt pepper um all your seasons whatever type of flavor that you're going for that you want yep. uh, i typically use, treat it like like chicken okay so i'm gonna add a little rosemary a little thyme and uh a little sage and that's about it basically your uh basic poultry seasoning um uh roundabout herbs gotcha gotcha Man, and then just putting that in a little pan with uh, olive oil or deep frying or? Well, not deep fried, shallow oil, uh, about an inch of oil. Okay. It's pan fried, yeah. So pan fried, that's like my go-to dish for people that have never had like a wild turkey or game, for instance. But I do that with venison, and it comes out really good. Those, like I said, for those that, I've never had wild game or had or had it before, and it was wasn't prepared properly. Sure. Yep. Yeah. Man, so that's 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 what. That that's, that sounds good. Like, man, whew, you got me hungry already early in the morning, dude. And that's some good stuff there, bro. So, in your opinion, cooking different dishes and and making dis- different recipes. What's the biggest difference in preparing wild game as opposed to your standard chicken or pork or you know your store bought turkey beef whatever like what what's your what's the big differences or you know things that you look out for when going between the two? Well, typically, I like to I like to use, I like to use wild game before I go to anything grocery store related. Sure. Yep. And if I do have to go that route, I'm going to see if there's a farm that offers what I'm looking for first. Right. And uh, just ask like your basic question. You know, are they fed on antibiotics? Are they grass fed or are they grass finished? That's important. If you, if, uh, that's the key question you want to ask. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of because the loophole nowadays is, oh yeah, it's grass fed, but it's grain finished. And if you look at the grocery store in the package, you'll see where and they have to do, they have to say whether it was grass fed and grass finished or not. So a lot of guys they'll start it off grain, and then you'll see on the package it'll say grain finished uh, with grain. So now what when you say when now obviously grass fed basically it means they just they've grown up grazing and whatnot. Yeah, alfalfa, but, different things of that nature, hay. Right, whatever. all the natural natural browse. But grain, when you mm. say grain finish, that is that basically like they, in the later sure. stages before they're slaughtered, they were on yeah. a grain feed or what? Yeah, so like if it's a cow, like a calf, basically it started off after it got done with its milking process and from its mother or whatever, it's given then uh, grass. 
to a certain point, and then when it's ticking, uh, what do they say? When it's like ticking off the field, or when it's going to be slaughtered, it's its last like month and a half is they eat grains, which a lot of grains actually come with antibiotics and different things that aren't natural found in its habitat. Gotcha. So, like, um, like uh, it's just like if you're if you're hunting for animals, the difference between hunting for deer in Ohio and hunting deer, say, out west, where there's a lot of sage and lavender and things like that. Like deer here are gonna have accents of like hickory and nutty flavor, or uh, if you get it from like a soybean area, or if it's been eating a lot of soybeans, it's gonna be fatty. It's not gonna have that same rich flavor. Gotcha. Gotcha. Next to where, like, say if you shoot a deer that's been eating a lot of sage or exercising a lot and, like, lavender and things of that nature, it's going to taste like sage. So when you add sage to it, it's going to, um, like, naturally complement it. And it'll bring and pull those certain those certain flavors out. But as far as, like, the, like your preparation, like, you don't do anything. Do you do anything extra? For your wild game, as far as like soaking it or you know like putting it in, like I, in a... uh, I have a cooler that's built. It's kind of it's not janky, but <laughs> <laughs> it would it wouldn't pass it wouldn't pass the board if I had to get it inspected. It wouldn't. Pass. <laughs> <laughs> but it's your. It, but just so we're clear, it's your own personal cooler. Yeah, it's my own personal cooler, and it gets and it keeps the job. It gets the job done. It stays below uh, forty-two degrees uh-huh. all the time, so and above thirty-two, so that's all I need. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Okay, just want to be clear. I don't don't want you to get in get in trouble yeah. with any you know Fed law types or whatever. This is his own personal setup yeah, own here. Person, yeah, own personal setup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, so with this setup, what now? What is the purpose of this setup? And you were saying like the differences, like you were you do for your wild game as opposed to. I dry age mine um, and I hang it. So I cut through and I let it hang for seven days before I even cut it, before I even mess it. Or if I do skin it, I still let it hang. Well, I cut that um, the uh, like the throat area mm-hmm. where the hoods cut off. I open that up, and then I still let it hang for seven days before I start the um, the butchering process any further. Wow! Um, that way, that way, when you let it hang like that, you're starting the uh, you're starting the decaying process. That's all dry age means is that you're starting the decaying process. So, <clears throat> as soon as you shoot a deer or any animal, uh, rigor mortis sets in for twenty. 24 hours, it's 24 or 48, one or two. And that makes the animal super stiff. But when you hang it upside down like that, you're letting all those enzymes come down the flesh and it breaks it down. And that's what you want. That's what makes it tender. That's what gives you the flavor. It brings out the more of the natural flavor of it. And it just starts tasting like beef. You cut out all that gamey stuff. Gotcha. A lot of times when people say uh, venison is gamey because it was handled wrong, um, there's a lot of fat in its blood, its own blood, and it soaked up that that um, like that penny, that copper penny mm-hmm. flavor or whatnot. And when you cook that, it doesn't taste like copper penny. It just makes it kind of makes it strong. Just uh, it just gives it an off flavor that you wouldn't be accustomed to. Gotcha. But but hanging it for the, like I said, for those seven days, and then um, or I'll hang it for once I quarter it, I'll hang it again for say uh, 24 days. So that gives me about 31, 32 days uh, hang, and that that makes some of the most tenderest meat I've ever had, red meat I've ever had. Wow! And then you can also wet age it. Wet aging is something that I'm getting into this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and basically, you'll take your said piece of meat, uh, you'll set it in a rack, 
in the refrigerator for a day. It'll develop a skin, like a protective seal over it naturally because the air hits it. Mm-hmm. Then you'll vacuum seal it. And then after a week goes by, you'll change the vacuum seal. Then you'll put it in the, uh, you'll take it out of its juices because the blood, you'll see the blood will start to come out of it. You'll change the packaging, put it back into another one, vacuum seal. You'll do this process for four weeks. And at the end of your four weeks, you'll have a product that is just absolutely delicious. Now, okay, wait a minute. Wait, wait a minute. Back up. So you take, like, with this wet seal that you're talking about, um, mm-hmm. you just basically you take, like, a small cut of meat. Mm-hmm. Or um, you could do a small cut. Uh, at the, where I've experienced it at is actually uh, the cut of steak that you have. And you'll vacuum seal it. Place it in your fridge after tw- after you let it sit overnight. Yep. Or sit for the day in the refrigerator and you create that skin. Then, like, and you just do that process. After the week, you change the packaging so you're not letting it sit in its own blood. Mm-hmm. And it comes out like restaurant quality beef. Wow. You'll, the steak and and you'll hey. spend your 70 bucks for your steak, and you could be doing this at home with your wild game. And you just do that, and you, and you just do it in your refrigerator. Don't freeze it or anything like that. But the, no, uh-uh. after okay. you get done, after you reach the uh, desired time, then you'll vacuum to the final time. Or I personally, I after that fourth week, I throw it right into my freezer. Okay. For storage. Gotcha. Do you re so you re vacuum seal it and then put it into your into the freezer? Uh no, not that last, not that last week I don't. Last okay. week I don't. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. When I get uh, when I get some more cuts of uh of venison, I'm gonna have to talk to you about that. That that's interesting. Now, can you do that with like birds, like with duck meat and like uh, and goose and stuff yeah, like that? that? Yeah, you can do that with any with any meat. Oh man. And it's called and it's called the wet wet aging. Wet so aging. Dry aging. So dry aging is you do it per se in like your freezer or in like a cooler with your uh, moisture at thirty percent. So because you know if you go into like a walk into a typical walk in, right? Uh, everything kind of has like a, a film of water on it. That that's from where your moisture is high. Like if you have vegetables or whatnot, even though they're cut from the stock, they're still somewhat, you know, taking that in. That's what keeps it. That's what keeps it fresh. Man. Whew. Okay. Yeah. When we, when I, when I get a couple of, of ducks and a couple of geese in here, we're gonna we're gonna revisit this wet aging because I I want to know more about this and make sure that I do it. Do it right because you're saying when you do it this way, your cut of meat is basically restaurant quality. Yes. Wow, yes. man, <laughs> that's awesome! And you can do it there, do it right there yourself in your house with limited equipment. Mm-hmm. Yes, you can. Yep. I I went out and just bought a basic uh another refrigerator. Uh huh. And uh, it's a side by side, so on the left side it's <clears throat> all my frozen game and whatnot. And then on the right side is the stuff that I'm either processing or sawing out or to be consumed by my family. Wow. Yeah. I Earlier this year, I bought, I finally went ahead and, and bought a, um, a sealer, a vacuum sealer. And man, that thing, it, it is, it, I, I was late. As I often say about a lot of things, I was late to the party because, you know, like deer and hogs, I I take to the butcher. I got a guy that does my mm. deer and hogs because I, I just don't have the space, you know, to do, you know, a deer or, or a hog right now. But birds, you know, ducks, geese, turkeys, fish, I'll do myself. You know, breast them out and, you know, whatever and bag them up. And, you know, the first year or so I was just using, you know, freezer bags and, you know, trying to make sure you get all the air. 
out of them and yeah. zip them up or whatever. And I mean, they'll last yeah. for, you know, a few months or whatever, but man, oh my God. Yeah. Easily. I, I went on a fishing trip and we came back with a ton of like trout and salmon and stuff. And mm-hmm. excuse me. And that was the first time I actually played with the vacuum sealer you know you chop it up and i got like these nice little cuts of salmon like you get in the restaurant and stuff and you put mm-hmm. the little paper in them and stuff and you write on you yeah. know i'm like you know lake michigan salmon put the date on it and you hit that button it sucks all the air out of it and i'm yeah. like man this thing yep. <laughs> it's you like it yeah it's, it's just like you know that flavor and that memory and you're like man right so it's almost like Every time you go pull it out, it's like you're like, man, I'm just reliving it. Like, ah, oh, that was a good time. Yeah, I just did a bunch of crappy on uh on Friday, and you just look at it. And it's like, man, it's just like going to to your Sam's or your Costco or whatever, and not mm-hmm. even have to pay that price. You just pull it out your freezer, and it looks all professional and nice. <laughs> it's, yeah, exactly. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. But yeah, no, I'm I'm excited about that. So wet aging, okay. We're gonna, like I said, I'm I'm gonna talk to you uh, about that here in the next couple of months. Now, a couple more things that I want to get from you before uh, I get you out of here. So obviously, okay. you hunt. How did you grow up hunting? Did was that something that you grew up uh, doing, like in your family or whatnot? Is it something you came through came to later or what? So, I have relatives that that have been or have friends that uh, that that hunted, but uh, myself, I didn't start uh, honestly until about about six seven years ago. Okay, and uh, it was like it was right after like my mom had passed, and uh, a guy at Bass Pro, um, uh, he took me under his wing. I told him, you know, hey, you know. God just works in, you know, mysterious ways, you know what I mean? He puts right. in your life for a reason. And that's what happened. I mean, I call he's my dad. Like, I never knew my pops like that. But he's my father figure. He's my dad. So, and ever since that day, I walked in there. He, like, showed me how to tie. I want to say, uh, what was it? It was, it, was a, it was a loop knot or something. I was used, I used, uh, I twirl it around six times, and I go through the uh, the eye of the hook. And then back out through the major um, loop. Yep. That's my knot. But uh, <clears throat> he showed me how to tie a, a specific one. It was a circle knot or something. Mm-hmm. Ever since then, it's like if I had questions, I'd ask him. And he's like, hey, well, we're going to go out here. And this is where you would apply this. The X, Y, Z. And then uh, through my profession, I've run into people that have had property. I'm like, oh, you hunt? He's like, yeah. So up here in Ohio, I don't know how it is down south. But up here in Ohio, I see two brothers who hunt. <laughs> yeah. <no. laughs> and, uh, it's like running across the unicorn. So <laughs> you got people who are who are really interested in that and want to, uh, like, share their passion and their love of the outdoors with you. Right. And you have some people that are intimidated by it. Right, right. So, yep. I've run into both. I've run into both over the years, so, but <laughs> it's balanced out. Man, that yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, no, it's it's you know similar down here. What I've found out since I've started doing this and gotten you know even gotten into hunting and even doing this more with um, my podcast and whatnot, there are more mm-hmm. of us out there than people think, and there are more of us out there that that there's a light on. You yeah. know, a lot of people. Uh, or should I say, you know, a lot of us are doing it and it's been a way of life and it's been something that's been going on all the way, you know, beginning of time. And then there's some of us that are just sportsmen and enjoy being outdoors and, you know, it's not necessarily doing it to survive or make a living or whatever, just doing it because, you know, they enjoy it. But it's definitely more out there than what you often sometimes see. And that's kind of like my whole purpose of doing this whole brand and everything. It's just to kind of, you know, shine that spotlight on folks that and tell stories that, you know, may otherwise not get, uh, get told. But anyway, that's enough about me and whatnot. So you got a gentleman took you under your wing 
and kind of bought you up, showed you how to hunt and all that stuff. What's your favorite type of hunting? Like, what do you look forward to the most? Oh, well, uh, I just did dove hunting this year. Dove hunting is very, very exciting. I love dove hunting. <laughs> and uh, That's on my list. I have not done that yet. That is on my list to do. It is fun. It is a good time because it, it kind of it helps you get through like those months when you're like, man, I mean, there's nothing like I want to go hunting. <laughs> right, that lull. We don't have we don't have hogs. We don't have hogs in Ohio, so that's a listen. That's a blessing and a curse, okay? Because yeah. Hogs are cool to hunt if you just, you know, having a good time and hunting them. But places that have, like, hogs for real will tell you yeah. those jokers are a nuisance. Okay? They tear yeah. up everything. You can't plant anything. You know, when I bought my property down here, because Georgia is a pretty rich hog, hog state. And when I bought mm-hmm. my property down here, I was kind of like, mm, I wish I had hogs. But, man, let me tell you, the way I've been trying to food plot and get deer and draw deer in and keep deer and stuff. I'm glad I don't. Yeah. I'll go go hunt hogs somewhere else. Yeah. They're hard on the property. Yeah. They are. They they are hard is an understatement. So <laughs> but so yeah, dove hunting definitely bridges the gap in the summer yeah. or late summer. Turkey, yeah. Turkey, yeah, turkey is the, it comes in before the dove season. Yeah. And I look forward to taking that. Yeah. Um, I had to try to post a video. Um, um, a buddy of mine, his son, uh, I don't know if you knew this or not, um, there's a black um, a black-owned um, camo outfitter. And um, I don't know if I can drop names on here or not. Um, but I... Go ahead. No, it's I two. Mean, I think I know who you're talking because there's two of them. But go ahead. Oh, there's two? Uh, I only know the one. It's called Noble Savage. Yep. Then Noble Savage with, and then uh and then uh Mark uh Marquise has uh true vision. So yeah. Oh yeah, I had no idea. Yep. I had no idea about that one. But um yeah, I hunt with the owner of that. I hunt with his dad. Okay. And that's the other that's like another mentor, like big brother that I looked up to that shows that gives me a bunch of information and <laughs> helped me along the way. So Nice. Um, we actually went out yesterday. He's out this morning. <laughs> I had to, I have to go to work, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, duty. I didn't get to get out there today. Yet. Duty calls. I would be out there today myself, but I needed to get this. Uh, needed to get this done, and I got a couple other conference calls for work. So it, it it's funny <laughs> how work interferes with our passions and our fun. But you know. Yes. <laughs> It was the fun, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that it that it does. So turkey, turkey hunting is your favorite. Now, have you traveled to hunt any like out of Ohio to hunt any either turkey, deer, or whatever? Or Indiana and um, Kentucky once. Okay. Uh, with unsuccessful in Kentucky, but Indiana, I took some does. Nice, nice, nice. <laughs> but I would be, I would, I would love to. I've been. Um, I've traveled for fishing, but I'd like to travel a lot more for hunting. Gotcha. Where have you been? Where all have you been uh, on your fishing trips? Um. So Putten Bay for walleye, uh, which was nice. Where's um, that? Uh, it's in Ohio, so it's the only um, inland island. <laughs> oh wow! Okay. So um, you go way up north. Uh, you take a ferry uh, to what they call Putten Putten Bay. Yep. And then uh, we just rented out some boats, and we went out and um, we caught some walleye. It was nice. actually pretty good. Um, uh, my next trip, I want to go to the Great Lakes but and fish. Um, but uh, I fished for perch out at Navy Pier in uh, Chicago, which was pretty fun. Oh. Uh, we took a little charter mm-hmm. um, out that way. That was actually that was surprisingly uh, productive and fun. <laughs> why why you say surprisingly because well, it's like, it's right there in the city yep. and uh the way that like we went through uh calumet and some of those waterways you know you hear about the water it's like it's like super like 
like dirty on some parts, but it's not as bad as a lot of things like like it's as it's depicted. Right. It's not that bad. It's not it's really not bad at all. The water's bluish green to an extent. Gotcha. But um we caught tons of perch. Um and we caught tons well I won't say tons, but uh we caught uh six salmon, which was nice. There's a group of us. And uh yeah, I just wasn't expecting to catch as much fish as we did. Gotcha, gotcha. Now what, back to your hunting real quick, what's your weapon of choice? Um, So I like the, uh, I, I shoot the Carbon Icon okay. by Botech. Okay, so you um, bow hunt. Yeah, I bow hunt. Um, I gun, shotgun season in Ohio has been terrible the past five years. So it's like in, um, and in this region of Ohio, we get we could get rain, sleet, snow, right. <laughs> and then right, you know, high sixties all in one day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's been a wash. <laughs> but when I do participate, and I use a Remington eight seventy, mm-hmm. um, that's my weapon of choice on that. And then uh, for a dove um, in Turkey. Uh, I'll either use my bow, or um, I just got a Stoger uh, Condor, which I love to death. Right. Um, wow. It, now, it is amazing. Now, to, to, be, then, to be clear, are you you not bow hunting the doves? No. Okay. Not. I was going to say, because that would make you one hell of a shot if you could <laughs> bow hunt doves. So I, just, I, I kind of figured you meant bow hunting turkeys. Bow hunting turkeys <laughs> is awesome. It, it, it's yeah. a it's a labor of love. It, it, it's a pain in the ass, but when it goes together, man, it, it's nothing like it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. When it comes together. Yeah. <clears throat> but I, I hunt out of a blind, so I got I don't know. Uh, I, I got, I got room for error. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you know, I, I. That's the thing that I love about hunting out of a blind. It, it, it limits your 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 vision, hence why they call it a blind. But right, you can get away with more. To me, it's a little bit more comfortable. I've started exper- experimenting with a climber, um, and I'm going to do a couple climber hunts before the season ends, just because uh-huh. I want to get up. And uh, and you know, get up in the air and see, um, and mm-hmm. also be mobile. Um, but yeah, my first go to is usually a blind myself. Yeah, same here. I'm a big guy, and uh, we have uh, what they call um, ash ash bugs, ash tree bugs. So ash tree is basically it's a worm or a larva that somehow gets into the tree and eats it from the inside out. Oof, and so. So climbing up in a tree, in an ash tree, is bad business. I'm yeah. a big guy. <laughs> right. You don't know how stable that tree is going to be. Yeah. No, no, I, I understand. Yeah. So I do a lot of, um, I'll do like natural blinds. I'll build like a natural blind or uh, I'll hunt out of a blind that I got from the store. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> Man. So what? what's next? For the chef, what what's your what's your next big thing, or what's the next thing you got going on? Um, hmm. Well, I don't. I know I got some weddings coming up, but um, I, I want to say I want to roast uh, my personal adventure. I want to um, create a YouTube page. This is my idea. Um, so you remember the movie City Slickers? Yep. Yep. So I want to create a page that's basically dedicated to people like me who have the interest and who really want to participate in it and do it the right way. You know what I mean? Right. And I want to uh, basically show them how to and educate them on how to do it. So when they do show up, they're not necessarily doing the wrong thing. And then the people who grew up doing this or who feel like it's their birthright per se. Sure. Don't don't run them off. You know what I mean? Yep. No, I totally understand. There is there is a little uh air of um of arrogance. And like you say, like a 
birthright kind of deal, but it's for everybody. Anybody that want to do it, anybody that wants to, you know, get into it or try it, you know, have at it. Go for it. Yeah, because it's but it's not it's not all a color thing too. Because it's more like I said, like oh, this city guy's gonna come in here with his stick. He doesn't know what stick control is, you know. Right. He's like little walk, you know, right under my stand or something like that, you know. Just the do and the don't, and how to effectively. Cause I feel like with today's society, we're so far removed from our food, especially our meat, and that being the number one thing consumed in this country, I feel like that should be one of the top things that you know about. Right. Not, you should be able to provide, you know what I mean? Not, necess- and, uh, not necessarily go vegan, but learn how to prepare yeah. your meat better and, and take better care of your meat. Exactly. Exactly. No, I'm so, all, I'm all for it. You know, I got some old, some things that I'm trying to, get right with myself and, you know, diet-wise and whatnot. And it was just like, well, you know, go vegan, go vegan. No, hell no, no. We're, we're gonna, yeah, we're going yeah. to find better ways to to get this meat right so, you know, you can enjoy it, so you can enjoy life and enjoy it the way it was supposed to be enjoyed. Life was meant to, to enjoy meat. Exactly. So. I'm trying to agree with you. <laughs> yeah, no. oh. But I tried to go. I tried to do the vegan thing for a week. And it didn't. It did not last. Yeah. No. It. You know. It, God love the people that do it. I'm sure there's some health uh, advantages and stuff to it. But like I said, this life was meant to enjoy meat, not eat rabbit food all the time, so. Exactly, exactly. Because <laughs> your body needs the protein. A lot of people be like, well, there's veggies, uh, you know, there's vegetable proteins and things of that nature, but it still doesn't do for your body what, um, you know, steak or, you know, what meat does. Right, right, right. Your, your, your body needs that, so. Exactly. Well, Chef... I have enjoyed this. Thank you for taking the time. I'm glad that we were able to get together, man. Before we get out of here, let people know where they can find you. Um, you got some great pictures of some great dishes on your Instagram. Where where are you on your social pages? And let folks know where they can find it. Okay, well, uh, I only have the Instagram. Uh, my Instagram is Aaron the Cook Johnson. Um, you'll see me uh, go up. You can't see it on the phone, but, <laughs> but yeah, if you go to Aaron the Cook Johnson, you'll find my page. And like I said, you'll see a series of dishes and uh, I have pictures of my kids. I I include them in the outdoors as well. Um, and hopefully you'll be seeing a YouTube page from me pretty soon. And also there should be a link on how to get uh, your Noble Savage camo gear. Awesome. Um, yeah, because with that, with the Noble Savage camo gear, it includes a whole lot. It's not, it's not as ex- as expensive as say like these other brands like Under Armour, Mossy Oak, uh, and it comes with a complete outfit. So you got your, you got your uh, pant, you got a uh, long sleeve, let's say moist wicking, like heat gear type shirt, and a coat, a hat, and a. Um, Award. What is that? It's like a, a neck warmer per se, or a face shield. So it, it doubles up. But, um, it's really good. It's quality too. It's actually quality, quality material. Awesome, so. awesome. And again, like I said, thanks for coming in and stopping by, man. And we'll talk again soon. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, bro. Brightland. All right, before I get ready to get up out of here, once again, I want to say thank you to the Chef Aaron Johnson for stopping by the BLCP this week. Hope you guys enjoyed the conversation and was as smartened up as I was because I was completely smartened up to a lot of things from the chef this week, Uh, just talking about how to do things with food, even learned about playing uh, football over in Poland, over in Europe and stuff. I mean, just things that I had no idea about. So hopefully you will walk away from this episode of the BLCP a lot smarter, uh, just like I did. Before you guys 
turn this one off and head on to the next one. I want to make sure that you guys are checking out BryantLandCountry.com. BryantLandCountry.com is your one-stop shop for everything Bryantland. T-shirts, swag, podcasts, videos, blogs, everything Bryantland is at that one place. BryantLandCountry.com. Make sure you're going on there and getting your Bryantland merch and supporting the brand. That's going to be it for me this week. We're going to come back next week with a another amazing, great batch of outdoor audio. Good stuff from the Bryantland brand. Make sure you guys come back and tune in for another episode of the Bryantland Country Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Bryantland Country Podcast, hosted by AB3. Please leave us a positive review and five-star rating on iTunes. Be sure to check out our podcast section on our website, bryantlandcountry.com, for previous podcasts. Check us out on Instagram at Official Bryantland and Twitter at 3 Bryantland. This has been an AB3 Media Production. Join us next time for another edition of the Bryantland Country Podcast.